Welcome to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. By nature of, of having less games to play, the the, uh, the I think the the importance of having success or the meaning in those games increases. And so, you know, we're going to play meaningful games from now on out. You know, the way I look at it, and, and we've had these conversations with our players, uh, we have a clear understanding of where we're at. And, and, the op- and the challenge in front of us and the opportunities that we have. And uh, w- right now we're in a position where we've got an opportunity to control our own destiny. We've got to go out and earn it every night. Is it an important game for us? It sure is. And the next one is as well. But we're going to focus on the one right in front of us. Uh, we're going to try to put our best game in the ice. We'll see what, what, what comes of it. We'll try to learn through that experience, and then we'll move on. And, and that's the approach that we've always taken with this group. Um, I think our players are well aware of the circumstance that we're in, and uh, and we know it's going to be a uh, it, it's going to be a, a challenge and a fight for a, for a playoff spot from here on out. And so, uh, I think it's the most exciting time of year to play. Uh, the meaningful games are the are the most fun to be a part of, uh, and and we all have to elevate our games and and make sure that we come in with the right mindset that that we're going to be a difference maker, and uh, and so that that's that's really the discussion that we've had. With, with our group, and, um, and but we understand the circumstance we're, we're in. We'd like to get off on the right foot, and we're, we're hopeful that we can. Over to McKinnon, left wing, one-timer, Dismith denies it, big rebound up in the air. It's picked up by the Pens, as Malkin's going to exit in a couple seconds. Paling's got it short-handed. Down the left wing at the near circle, carries behind the net. Ryan Paling throws it in the slot, Malkin there across, a shot from Crosby, denied by Fransos. Back to Malkin, right side, wrists it, save Fransos, it's loose. They're digging for it. A delay call at ice level. Crosby's got it. Feeds it to Latang. Wrist shot. Scores! Are you kidding me? The Penguins storm back to kick off the second half of the season with a come from behind 2-1 OT win over the defending champs here at PPG Paint Serena. Chris Latang, the hero for Pittsburgh. Comes free to Evgeny Malkin, walks along the line, drops it for Joseph, flips it to Russ, left wing, into the near circle. Stick handles around, Kulikov deeks to the net, he fell, trying to tuck it in atop the crease. Comes back to Malkin on the far wall. Inside the right wing circle, down low to Russ, to the backhand, shoots, he scores! Russ puts it to the back of the net, and for Evgeny Malkin, it's career point number 1,200. The 51st player in NHL history to hit that milestone mark. 5-1 Pens. The Penguins played only two games this week, but the four points they picked up might make all the difference in the world when the regular season ends on April 13th. Good morning and welcome to UPMC Penguins Live pregame with Brian Metzer. I'm Paul Steigerwald, Wayne Gretzky, Anderson at the controls. Good morning, Mets. 31 games to go. You heard Mike Sullivan, the mindset to be a difference maker. And, of course, Ron Hextall spoke earlier and talked about consistency. Those were the mandates coming out of the break. The team had to get more consistent, Stag, and I think they uh, mostly did that this week, even though parts of the um, Colorado game were a little iffy. But who cares? You got the two points against a pretty formidable opponent, uh, and they've started to stack a few more points than not as of late. I would just like to see them start to do more in regulation time because quite a few overtime and shootouts over the last couple of weeks. And I think that that 
all-star break, give them a chance to kind of reset and kind of recharge to move into the second half of the season. Well, it's hard to believe, really, that the Penguins haven't won three in a row since December 15th. I mean, that's that's hard to believe. It is. And that's like kind of the – if that I mean, if that doesn't personify or amplify the word consistency or inconsistency. It's just up and down, up and down. It's basically they've been that kind of a team for several weeks. Now, I think injuries have been a big reason for it. But uh, I think the break probably gave them an opportunity to really do a little bit of soul searching, you know, individually as a team, and to really say, okay, have we really been playing with a, the proper amount of urgency, and and what, how are we going to bring that consistency? And I do think continuity is a big part of it. Having players healthy, uh, you heard Mike Sullivan before the game yesterday talking about how happy he was that he had everybody back in the lineup. Yep. But a lot of good things uh, come from everybody being on the same page and pulling the, on the rope in the same direction. Oh, you're exactly right. And I think that's the biggest key for the break that the Penguins had. You know, I know Sidney Crosby was at the All-Star weekend. But beyond that, everybody had a chance to you – know, people call them old. And they say that they could slow well, they down. Are. They yeah. are the oldest team no, in the but, league. No, but I mean, you know, they really – they focus on it. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think that that break then helps those guys get their legs back a little bit more. I mean, notice – Suddenly, coming out of the break, Jeff Carter's been more noticeable, it, and, and people tore him to shreds going into the break. Oh, what's he's not bringing anything to the table? Well, he scored last night. He went to the net. He's winning his faceoffs, as we talked about during the postgame show last night. So I just think that this group recharged, reset, and as you said, focused on what they need to do to be a more consistent and Penguins-looking group moving penguin into... Yeah, penguins S. See, I told you, you got me overthinking the S, Snag. No, I love that word. No, keep using it. I like it. Uh, but moving into the second half. That's Mets S. you got to use it. Now, uh, the Penguins have moved ahead of the Washington Capitals. They have 61 points in the first wild card spot, and they still have two games in hand on the Caps, and the Caps have 60 points. So, huge four points. Huge. Well, I mean, considering that going into the break... They almost were going to be out of the playoffs if uh, Buffalo had won a game the, the night before the All-Star break. The Penguins would have been on the outside looking in. Well, they they didn't. They lost to Carolina, so the Penguins stayed in. And now, suddenly, with the, by virtue of those four points, you're climbing up again. And now, if you look at a two-stag, just seven points behind the Rangers, who, coming into the evening, were looking like they were going to be double digits ahead. I'd like to think that maybe the biggest story this week for the Penguins was Casey DeSmith, because uh, as long as Tristan Jari's not playing... I'm worried about the Penguins' ability to win games consistently, and that's not a knock on Casey DeSmith. I'm just saying Jari has a certain presence about him that makes him that guy, the number one goalie. But uh, DeSmith, I've always felt, could step up and win games for you in a pinch and uh, maybe even for a stretch of games if he has to. It wasn't working for him as much going into the break. I don't blame him entirely. I think it was a function of what was going on with the team in front of him, too. But he did get two huge wins this week for the Penguins, and one of them was an easy night for him, which he deserved after all he's gone through. Oh, you know what? I mean, we talked a lot about Casey's flaws or faux pas, etc., in the first half because he had some opportunity to kind of run f- with the ball, and I don't know that he did it as much as he has in the past. Well, to your point, this week, 2-0 in his starts, 945 save percentage, 1.94 goals against in those games. He allowed just four goals in the two games. So I think that he you know, maybe at the right time is rounding into form so they could take their time getting Tristan Jari 100%, hopefully. And then you have your yin and your yang back in the net, which will certainly help this team. Uh, does he play tonight in Los Angeles? I I still say go with Tukarski tonight. I don't, I, don't, I don't think you have to go back-to-back with him. However, it would be a nice vote of confidence to him, I would think, to say, hey, I'm confident going back to you in back-to-backs. On the other hand, you might need Tukarski. Yeah. You know, if you, if you cast him aside like he's, you know, 
you know what? I mean, that's not that's not good for his confidence. So you know, you yeah. might need him down the road. So it's probably better to play him tonight. No, I, I just I don't think you're in a position where you. It's a Western Conference team. It's not like it's a four point game. Um, the Penguins have shown <clears throat> this ability over the last week to play a little bit more effective style of hockey. And I, I think that uh, Tokarski acquitted himself well this season so far in the games that he played. I mean, he made a lot of huge saves. I know that, you know, he, he's not a top tier number one in the league, but he's also proven that he could pick up a couple wins if the team plays the right way in front of him and make the big save when you need it, put it that way. So w- with that in mind, I, I don't know that I, I need to see the Penguins go back to back with their goaltender. So, coming up, we will have highlights from last night's win in Anaheim. We're going to take a look at the come-from-behind win against the Avs earlier in the week. We'll take a look back at the Paul Martha era. Sadly, he passed away last Saturday. We're going to pay tribute to the Penn's former CEO. And uh, also, a few trades have been made in advance of the March 3rd trade deadline. Teams like to get out ahead of it, and it's already starting. And we will embrace the race for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. That's our phrase for the rest of the year. Embrace the race. It's our weekly hour of spirited Saturday morning hockey talk coming up in a moment on the Penguins Radio Network presented by ST Bank. <coughs> hey, students, did you know you can score great savings on Pittsburgh Penguins tickets through Get Go Student Rush? Take a break from studying and text RUSH to 412 534 6266 to score last minute ticket deals sent directly to your phone. You must be a college student with a .edu email address to participate. Again, text RUSH to 412 534 6266 or visit slash student rush to learn more about the Get Go Student Rush program today. Studying abroad was not even on my radar. I always just assumed that that was not for me. So now here I am in Italy studying abroad. It really is one of the most amazing experiences, challenging experiences. It's something that you grow so much from that you can't really get anywhere else. Doing study abroad through Kent State, you're gonna be in great hands. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done in my whole life. Hey, Pittsburgh Penguins fans, this is Selena Pompiani. You know what's as classic as Jeff Jimerson singing the national anthem at a Pens game? Glidden paint on your walls. Glidden premium interior and exterior paint is easy to use, affordable, and provides a great-looking finish. Oh, and it's available online and in stores at the Home Depot starting at under $20. Skate full speed into your next DIY project with Glidden by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. The fourth annual Pittsburgh Penguins Night of Assists, proudly presented by Highmark, is back with beads, beignets, and the streets of New Orleans coming to PPG Paints Arena on Tuesday, February 21st for Mardi Gras. Get your tickets today to support the Penguins Foundation and to unmask memories with your favorite Pens players, coaches, and alumni. VIP packages, general admission tickets, and after-hours passes are on sale now at PittsburghPenguinsFoundation.org. That's PittsburghPenguinsFoundation.org to let the good times roll with the Pens.
You're listening to Pens Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. Battling in traffic, gets it loose to Horvat left wing, back to the point for Dobson, five seconds left, now to Dobson, or Barzell rather, right circle, try to shot, blocked by Miller, and the game comes to an end. The Vancouver Canucks head to Long Island and come from behind to beat the Islanders. Anthony Beauvillier, the former Islander, scores the game-winning goal, and the Canucks take it 6-5 to five tonight. And that was after Bo Horvat, the guy he was traded for, had scored for his new team, the Islanders. That was a gigantic win. Thank you, Rick Tockett. I mentioned it last night on the pregame show with Colby. Do you think Mike Sullivan sent Rick Tockett a box of cigars? Because that was a pretty good uh, pretty good win. They had lost the night before in a game where they also came from behind but came up short against the Rangers. They come back the next night, come from behind, and beat the Islanders with all that drama with the trade and everything. That yep. was a really big break that they gave the Penguins there. Oh, you're you're right, Stag. And I think if Rick Tockett has had had hair left, he'd be ripping it out over the past couple of weeks because it's been so uh, ro- roller coaster, you know, in terms of how they have played since he got there. He's had some really nice nights, some bad nights, up and down, and that was a really good night for him. He had to be thrilled, and I think you're right. Sully had to be happy with his old running mate that they they took care of business for the Penguins. Well, he's really complimenting his players, talking and instilling yeah. leadership in guys and kind of pumping them up, pumping their tires like Pedersen. He's kind of saying he's a leader, and he ended up scoring two goals in that game. So. Maybe that maybe that kid needed that. I agree, and I think you know Rick Talkett has that ability with one on one with people. We know he was the Kessel whisperer, right? I think he's that kind of a guy. He knows how to unlock guys, you know, because there's no way you don't respect Rick Talkett. I mean, no, you know. he just commands it, Stag. And you don't I mean, have to fear him, but. Uh, you definitely have respect for him. He's all he, Rick Tockett is the guy you would love to have a beer with, but also you you would fear like crazy if he was mad at you. Yeah, you want to, you wouldn't <laughs> want to disappoint him. No, yeah, put right? it that way. Yeah, he he just commands that. So the reason why that was such a huge win was because if the Islanders had won the game, they would have moved ahead of the Penguins in mm-hmm. the standings. The Penguins would have been out of the playoff picture going into last night's game in Anaheim, but that wasn't the case. They were still in that second wild card position going into the game last night. And they just started firing pucks right from the start against uh, Whitehall native John Gibson. Penguins had 25 shots in the first period. This one was the first one that went in off the stick of P.O. Joseph at 9.03 of the first period. Over to Bluger, up top to P.O. Joseph. Snapshot blocked. Bounces to the near circle. Found there by Chad Ruedel up on the play. Down low he goes for Bluger. In the near corner, Shattenkirk knocked to the ice by Archibald. Oh, that was sneaky. Here's Joseph in the slot. Rister scores! A dart from P.O. Joseph off the post and in. And the Penguins have the first goal in Anaheim. It's 1-0. Well, that was set up by Bluger from behind the net as he passed it out to Joseph in the slot. And I I have to say that Josh Archibald got the second assist. He could have gotten two assists on that one because he (laughs) knocked a uh, Shattenkirk down. That created uh, the opportunity for Bluger to get control of the puck and uh, ultimately... And uh, then it was uh, a matter of passing it out to P.O. Joseph, who scored the goal. So the Penguins had a one nothing lead, and it really you felt like it could have been better than that, and they could have added to it. But instead, the Ducks got the next goal. Trevor Zegra scored at 15-26 on the power play to tie the game at one. Ducks power play on the year, 30th in the NHL at 15.9%. They control off the draw here and score. Trevor Zegras flips a backhander over the left shoulder to Smith into the back of the net. And it's a power play goal for the Ducks. Took them all of two seconds on the man advantage, and it's 1-1. And the Penguins' second power play unit uh, returned the favors. Kasperi Kapanen scored at 17-38. Face-off win by the Penguins. Joseph at the left point. Over to Russ, near wall. Back up top to Joseph. Passes right side. Kapanen looking in the slot. The flex in! 
Kapanen put it towards the goal. It sailed past Gibson. Sticks all over the place. Puck in the back of the net. A PPG for PGH, and it's 2-1 pens. And when Jeff Carter uh, took advantage of a mistake by John Gibson, misplaying the puck behind the net, the Penguins had themselves a 3-1 lead with 13 seconds to go in the period. Ducks back in the attack again. Zegers dumps it down low, picked up by Petrie. Fires right side, just out of the reach of Kapanen. Out of his net to play it is Gibson behind the Duck goal. Turns it over atop the crease. Carter shoots and scores. He'll take that one. Jeff Carter, finally, his first goal in 12 games. And it's in SoCal, perhaps only fitting. 3-1 pens. Well, Chris Letang was not in the lineup last night, and don't be alarmed. It was just an illness. Uh, hopefully he'll be better and be able to play tonight in Los Angeles. Um, but you know what? P.O. Joseph did a pretty good job of filling the void in terms of generating offense, and he was able to get a second goal in the game, his fourth of the year, at 14.55, the only goal of the second period. Lundestrom to it. His pass picked off by Chad Ruedel. He fans on a pass, though, from Malkin. Makes its way to him anyway. Evgeny Malkin into the slot. Joseph there. Holds, shoots. He scores! P.O. Joseph with another rocket. Up over the right shoulder of Gibson. And it's 4-1 Pittsburgh. This was a big night for guys to get their cookies. And a very, very big cookie for Evgeny Malkin as he set up Brian Rust at 10.04 the third period. Comes free to Evgeny Malkin. Walks along the line. Drops it for Joseph. Flips it to Rust. Left wing into the near circle. Stick handles around. Kulikov deeks to the net. He fell trying to tuck it in atop the crease. Comes back to Malkin on the far wall. Inside the right wing circle. Down low to Rust. To the backhand. Shoots. He scores! Russ puts it to the back of the net, and for Evgeny Malkin, it's career point number 1,200, the 51st player in NHL history to hit that milestone mark. 5-1 pens. Well, I must say, Josh Getzoff is all over it on the calls. He sounds fantastic. Uh, that was a great mix last night at Anaheim, and I just love the sound uh, of that, and uh, Mets are just uh, happy for Evgeny Malkin to get that. You could uh, tell after the game that he was excited. He was fired up. I love the joke he made. Uh, I think it was Dayan Kovacevic asked him, you know, where he thought he could finish his career, somewhere around 1,500 points or something, and Gina goes, somewhere close to Gretzky, and uh, that just that made my evening hearing that quote. But Gino uh, Stag, I mean, he gets so little respect, I feel, around the league. He wasn't on the top 100 players in, in NHL history when they made that list. And when you look at this scenario, he is now the second fastest active player to get to the 1,200-point mark, doing it in just 1,032 games. Faster than Alex Ovechkin, faster than Patrick Kane, but just still a little bit behind his running mate, Sidney Crosby, who got there in 927 games. But Gino has just done it all for this team for so long, and he's having a really nice stretch. He's having a wonderful season and rolling up those multi-point games, too. So uh, I, I hope he stay, continues to stay healthy and continues to play at this level. Yeah, he's gone a stretch of quite a few games. It's 16 games now uh, where he has not gone more than two games without a point, Matt. So that's pretty good. That's consistency right there for Gino. It really is. I mean, this guy is is just putting up multi-point effort after multi-point effort. And I was looking to where I wrote it down. I think it was 14 games uh, on the season with multi-points in six out of his last nine. So uh, that's pretty impressive. Speaking of six, six was a pretty good number for the Penguins earlier in the year. They were scoring six Every goals night. in quite a few games there. <laughs> so uh, we'll play one more. The sixth goal of the game for the Penguins, and it came from Jake Gensel at 12.08 of the third period. Ducks back in their own end. Turn it over. It's Crosby down low. Gensel shoots and scores. 
Try, try again for Jake Gensel. And on the 50th shot of the night for the Penguins, it's Gensel making it 6-1. to one. Mason McTavish and John Klingberg scored late goals for the Ducks to make it 6-3. to three. The Penguins win it with 59 shots, 31 for the Ducks. John Gibson makes 53 saves in a loss. That's the highest total on the road for the Penguins in the history of their franchise. The previous record was 55. The highest shot total ever for the Penguins was 65 on home ice. Unbelievable, Mets, that the Penguins were able to come into Anaheim, a team that you know, had given up 52, 51, 53 shots in previous games this year, so they're prone to do that. But you got to give the Penguins high marks for taking advantage of that tendency. Those bums couldn't hit 60 last night. That's what <laughs> just bothered me. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, I, I loved it because when you watch sequences in the game, Stag, they were doing what we always cry out and yell at them about. They were shooting from everywhere. Uh, the pucks were flying all around the offensive zone, and there, there's the one sequence that resulted – uh, and one of the goals scored in the game, and it was <clears throat> Brian Dumoulin creating a turnover in the zone. Raquel missed a shot. It came to Gino. He spun and threw it to the net, and then shortly thereafter, you're setting up the other POJ goal that Gino collected at the top of the zone and fed him. So when you do that, you create such misdirection with the other team because the puck is flying all over, but you're still largely in control of it because your guys are the ones firing the pucks, getting to the rebounds. like Because they're also doing the hard work to get to the rebounds and collect those pucks and create the second and third opportunities. And I think that's why they first rolled up such a high shot total but also got rewarded with so many goals. And I always wonder, why does the offensive team always seem to be able to get the puck back in those situations? And I think the reason is that the defensive team tends to collapse. They're standing mm-hmm. still, yep. you know, you know, fronting the puck. They're kind of flat-footed, or if you will. And you, you're you're skating around and you're shooting the puck and you're in motion, okay? And the puck tends to spray to the periphery, and you the uh, the defenders are all collapsing. So who's on the periphery? The offensive team. They get it next, and the whole cycle starts all over again. But it is amazing how the the plays tend to continue for long stretches in the offensive zone with the offensive team continuing to get opportunities to shoot the puck. I think you're right about about what you just broke down there, Stag, because the team is collapsing. And, and when you look at the offensive guys and they are cycling the zone and you've got defensemen and or forwards that are high coming low quickly, they have their eyes on where it is so they can get to the area quicker. They can retrieve. Then whenever the defense tries to get to the player with the puck, That leaves someone else open. So it's wheeling around and just doing things the way you need to see them happen in the offensive zone to create opportunities. Before we get to Gino uh, talking about his 1,200th point, I wanted to uh, just make sure that we give the love to P.O. Joseph. I think there's some offensive upside there in him. Uh, We've talked about it before, the ability to lug the puck. He has tremendous legs, but he also can shoot the puck, as we saw last night. And uh, I think that there there are another – uh, there are other layers of, of uh, offense that he's going to be able to bring this team over the course of time. I think you're right, and and I think it starts with his skating ability. I mean, that's what we talked about when he had his little hot offensive stretch before because he had a handful of games where it seemed like he was involved on a nightly basis. I know he dried up offensively lately, but when you see the way he moves, he can jump into the play. He seems to read and react the right way. He makes good passes. And when he shot the puck last night, both uh, times, head up. Never uh, looked at the nope, puck. Nope, and and he's an accurate shooter. He's picking corners, He and that's a pretty good goaltender. He did that, too, as well. I like the way that he knew how to shift into the open space, too, to receive a pass. And he had a mile of, of runway to come down the high slot there and create the scoring opportunity and rip the shot past Gibson. So... I, I do believe there is probably a little bit more of an untapped offensive potential there. 
and we may start to see it uh, in future years because he is a younger a younger player. He's on a cheaper contract, and there's a chance that you know he he sticks around. I I would hope just based on what we've seen, and then he gets to do that you know as a top four true defenseman that gets more minutes and more opportunities. Now let's hear from the 51st player in NHL history to get 1,200 points, but not top one of the top 100. Maybe the 101st player. Yeah, I, mean, I guess he's the 101st <laughs> best player in the history of the game. Gino, first thousand games now, 1,200 points. Just what does that milestone mean to you? I, I know it's hard to say, but it's. I don't want to say just it's just numbers, but it's huge. I mean, it's like. Uh, Play every year, I'm trying to play my best, you know, it's like a big number, I think, and I'm trying to uh, keep going. I mean, like, uh, I hope I'm stay here, like, uh, next three years, and, like, I don't like talking about points, but we, like, last two games, we play so much better, you know, and, like, huge team, like, more fun, more confidence, and uh, I forget these uh, points and ready to play tomorrow. You know, when you hit a number like this, but you're still playing so well. You thank you, thank you. See, you know, it, it all changed. Just be a little bit nice. <laughs> uh, but when you're still playing like this, and you're still playing your same style, you haven't changed your style. You tell me, I... I'm telling you. I got 1,500. What do you got? <laughs> no, I like, yeah, but I have like a couple injuries, uh, big injuries, but again, like uh, 1,200 is like good number i mean like life is good it's like i don't i i don't want like think about oh how much points i make if no injury you know it's like uh i won't say thanks out like you give me everything and like i play great team you know and like still like three more years maybe when i'm retired like have 1500 points it's like good number two like i'm okay so if Rusty gets the first one on the forehand, you don't have to worry about the one on the backhand after that? His backhand is better. I know that. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> if you see his curve, his backhand is so much better. Gino, he's a beauty. So Gino has his 1,200th point. The Penguins had two points last night in Anaheim. We'll try to get a third win in a row for the first time since mid-December tonight in Los Angeles. The stretch drive to the playoffs began early this week when the defending Stanley Cup champs came to town. It was a rocky start for the Penguins against Colorado. They were outshot badly early, but thanks to Casey DeSmith, the Avs had only one goal through two periods. Face off one by Rantanen, collected by Colorado. Here's Byram at the right point. Right wing wall to McKinnon, steps around Pedersen along the goal line, swoops behind the net to the far circle, comes out with it. Nathan McKinnon turns, shoots, and scores. Wow. Unbelievable individual effort from Nathan McKinnon has broken the deadlock. And that's one you're going to want to watch again. It's one nothing Colorado. Yeah, that was one of eight shots on 19 shot attempts for Nathan McKinnon in the game. Casey DeSmith was able to keep the Penguins within one shot despite facing 29 shots through two periods. DeSmith and the Penguins' penalty killers were perfect, so the Penguins used the familiar recipe of goaltending, special teams, and star power to stage one of their best and most important comebacks of the season. Russ to it in the near corner. Leaves it there for Jason Zucker. Comes up the wall with it. Works off a check from McCarr into the slot. Zucker dances left side. Holds, throws it to the black back door. Nobody there. Malkin centers atop the crease. It pinballs in. Evgeny Malkin with a lucky bounce has tied this game. And hard work pays off for the Penguins. It's 1-1. Brian Rust would get credit for the goal. It hit him and then hit the goaltender and went in. 
And then the game went to overtime. Malkin took a penalty. The Penguins killed it. And then the big three teamed up to get the extra point. Over to McKinnon, left wing, one-timer, Dismith denies it, big rebound up in the air. It's picked up by the Pens as Malkin's going to exit in a couple seconds. Paling's got it short-handed. Down the left wing at the near circle, carries behind the net. Ryan Paling throws it in the slot, Malkin there across, a shot from Crosby, denied by Fransos. Back to Malkin, right side, wrists it, save Fransos, it's loose. They're digging for it, a delay call at ice level, Crosby's got it. Feeds it to Latang. wrist shot, scores! Are you kidding me? The Penguins storm back to kick off the second half of the season with a come from behind 2-1 OT win over the defending champs here at PPG Paint Serena. Chris Latang, the hero for Pittsburgh. Now, the emotion was palpable. Uh, the players were really excited about what they had accomplished. And a couple of nights later, the NHL Network gave some love to Casey DeSmith. He appeared on their show, uh, NHL Tonight. As you get a couple of games under your belt there, uh, just gained a little bit of comfortability in the net. Everything maybe slows down just a hair, uh, seeing that regular game action all the time. So it's been nice, you know, seeing a lot of the net lately. Uh, obviously, the situation with Jars is up in the air, and I, I hope he's back soon. But... You know, right now we're just scraping for points. Obviously, our division's really tough, really competitive, so every point's huge for us. Casey, congrats. Great game against the Avs. What are some things that you might have been thinking about coming into that game? I mean, everybody knows about the firepower that they've got. They were on a roll. Are there certain things against the, the Avs that, um, that you were thinking coming into the game that I've really got to focus on or something that, that you really concentrated to be better at uh, than, than previously? Uh, yeah, just, you know, for me, just playing my game, being in position, uh, just putting myself in a position to make saves is something that's, you know, been kind of weighing on me lately. And obviously they're an amazing team, um, especially really dynamic on defense, especially offensively uh, with their defensemen. They really get their defensemen involved. Um, they did a good job getting traffic to the net. Obviously, Nate McKinnon, you know, he's a difference maker each and every night. He had that beautiful goal the other night. And he had some other chances, too. So he's always someone I have to work, uh, watch out for. Okay, Casey DeSmith, very happy with his performance against Colorado, came back and won again last night. There was a controversial moment in the Penguins' win over the Avs, and here's how the uh, guys saw it uh, on the radio when uh, Jeff Carter bumped Kale McCarr. Dublin ahead for Brock McGinn. Flings it right side for Kasperi Kapanen. He'll gain the line. Steps around Gerard. Right circle. Kapanen comes behind the net. Tries to stuff it. Could not. Franceau swooped over to the far post to keep it out. Carter's got it. Over to Kapanen. Left circle across. Tipped on net by Carter. How'd that stay out? Franceau makes the save. Yeah, McCarr's hurt. He was down, and they let play continue as he took an errant high stick from Jeff Carter. And I don't know if McCarr is cut or not. If they're going to talk about this, if the linesman saw it, it was accidental by Carter. But nonetheless, I believe it was a high stick by Jeff Carter right into the yap. Oh, I beg your pardon. It was a shoulder. Oh, boy, that was sneaky. That's old-time hockey there by Jeff Carter going for a loose puck and a bit of a drive-by shoulder right into the mush of Kale McCarr. On the way, got through Gerard Kapanen, looking, tried to stuff it in front, and Kale McCarr just got hit in the head. No penalty called. Oh, my goodness. Pushed in front, saved by Franzos, and now we have a stoppage in play. McCarr got bashed in the head right at the side of his net. 
Carter completely caught him on a blindside check. I don't believe it was on purpose. Guys coming together, but watch Carter right here. Here's Kale. Carter comes in and all. Oh, oh, that's my. on purpose. My goodness. No, it's my first look at it, Moj, and I'm with you. Take a look at it right here, folks. This needs to be out of the game. The NHL knows it. They have rules in against it. You cannot direct head hit a player at any time, especially on the blind side like that. And boy, hits like that can change careers now. Well, those guys are looking at the game through maroon and blue colored glasses there. Matt's, uh... He bashed him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> well, still, though, uh, when you see it, it has a Steckel-esque quality to it. And Makar ended up missing the next game. He's concussed. Well, and what's interesting is they let him back late in that game. So right. well, um, they, Don't they do that a lot? Yeah, a little too often. And then it's like often. the next day, the guy, wait, I think a little I, too I shouldn't have gone back in. Well, he's out, and uh, it is kind of scary. But just your thoughts before we take a break. On purpose? I, I, I don't, accidentally on purpose? I'm sure he saw it was Kale McCarr and wanted to make contact with him. I don't know that it was this. Yeah. I mean, he it was a sneaky little move. He wanted to make contact, but it looked more like he caught him in the front, at like his low high chest, and it, it jackknifed his head a little I bit. I thought he hit him in the head, but I yeah. but I also thought that Kale McCarr yeah. really turned into him, uh, yeah, not knowing I mean, he was coming, and so it was... It was kind of hard for Carter Carter at that point to kind of say, well, it's oh, wait, you, maybe I don't want to hit you now because your you, head's You a- have him standing here and Carter's coming past him and somehow hits him backwards. Like, it's like he hit him in the back. He somehow he turned strafed into him, a him bit. and hit him in the chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a, it was a, it was weird. It, it was a, a, one of those things that uh, there was some head contact. Though. Yeah, there was, and uh, well, obviously because he's concussed. So, but anyway, I think Penguins might have dodged a bullet there. I really do. And by the way, Jeff Carter scored a goal last night, so he was not suspended. He was able to score a goal last night against the Ducks. We'll be back with a lot more here on Penguins Live Weekly. Brian Metzer and I return after these messages on the Penguins Radio Network presented by ST Bank. Jim Shorkey gives Pittsburgh's best hockey fans a Kia hat trick. Price, value, and warranty. Kia inventory is back in stock, including 2022 Kia Forte, Soul, K5, Sorento, Sportage, Carnival, Telluride, and more. Or pre-order now and get it exactly how you want it. With trade values higher than ever, the time to upgrade is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Proud sponsors of the Pittsburgh Penguin. Experience the best of Kia at shorkykia.com. Let's go, Pen. Some chefs have a secret ingredient. Well, we found the perfect secret ingredient. 7-Up. That's right. 7-Up has just the right balance of bubbles and flavor. That's why you can do a lot with it. Like 7-Up pancakes, cupcakes, guacamole, carnitas, and oh yeah, don't forget the cocktails. You can make 7-Up whiskey, sangria, margaritas, and much more. Go to 7-Up.com to find more recipes. Visit your nearest local retailer and pick up a 7-Up 20-ounce bottle. 7-Up is the official soda sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Do more with 7-Up. Please drink responsible. 7-Up is a registered trademark of Dr. Pepper 7-Up Incorporated. Life-changing is a nursing career where you have the power to take the lead and opportunities to make real change. Where you work alongside colleagues that care and see inspiration every day. Where you're celebrated for who you are and have the support you need for what matters most to you. Life-changing is being a nurse at UPMC. Explore your career options today at upmc.com slash nursing. Make plans now to be a part of the excitement of Pittsburgh Penguins hockey with a U-Pick 6-pack. Mix and match six games of your choice, including the must-see matchups, promotional nights, weekend matinees, and more, while saving off the gate price of tickets. 
To learn more, visit www.pittsburghpenguins.com slash mini plan or call the Penguins Ticketing Department at 412-642-PENS. You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. One sunny evening in June of 1984, a man wearing a pinstripe suit came to the door of my office. I was the marketing director of the Penguins, and he said, uh, Hey, why would you like to go pick up Mario at the airport? <laughs> I said, Okay. <laughs> and I got in a town car and rode out there and uh, picked up Mario and his father and his agent the first time he ever came to Pittsburgh. I was the first person he encountered, poor Mario. When he came to Pittsburgh, and uh, I wouldn't have been able to tell that story. I wouldn't have experienced that awesome moment of Mario seeing the city of Pittsburgh for the first time as he came through the tunnel, if not for the man in the pinstripe suit. It was Paul Martha, and at that time he was the CEO or the uh, vice president of the Penguins under Edward J. DeBartolo, uh, and uh, obviously a very important figure in the history of the Penguins, a former Pitt All-American running back, running back, and defensive back for the Steelers. He was picked in the first round in 64, got a law degree at Duquesne. Uh, because of that law degree, he became a perfect candidate to uh, be put in the position he was in with the Pittsburgh Penguins by the DeBartolos. He also had some uh, things to do for the San Francisco 49ers who were winning Super Bowls in the 80s. And uh, here's an interview that Paul Martha did in 86. And why I like this interview is because I think it gives you a glimpse into what was going on with the Penguins. They were in the Patrick division, which was an incredibly competitive division. 
They couldn't make the playoffs because they had to play those teams ahead of them who were among the top five or six teams in the league uh, six times each. And they were two points behind the Rangers with about four games to go in the season, and they were on Long Island losing uh, and on their way to missing the playoffs again. And Paul Martha's interviewed between periods about a couple of things that pertain to that. Everybody's doing a little scoreboard watching here, and that's bad news for the Penguins, that New York Ranger lead. My guest in the second intermission is Mr. Paul Martha, who is vice president and general counsel for the Pittsburgh Penguins hockey team. But don't let this fancy uh, suit and the tie fool you. He's also a former All-American football player, halfback at Pitt University, and a defensive back for the Steelers and the Denver Broncos. So what are you doing running a sports empire? Well, I think uh, I became a lawyer and uh, because of knowing the DeBartolo family and their interest in sports, uh, I got involved in professional sport. Well, we talked a lot in the first and second period about the poll here in Pittsburgh as to whether or not the Penguins should maybe join the Norris division and not stay in the Patrick any longer. How'd that poll turn out? Well, we polled it last year, and the poll was in favor of us really moving to the Norris division. We did it again this year, Jim, and uh, the preponderance of our fans uh, feel that we should remain in the Patrick division. Speaking of last year, a lot of talk last year about the Penguins perhaps leaving Pittsburgh. I know you were instrumental in negotiations with the city and obtaining a lot of compromises. You're kind of like Perry Mason. You haven't lost a case. Well, we felt that uh, our franchise uh, had become somewhat like the arts, and we needed help in a market like Pittsburgh to, to keep the Penguins here. And uh, the DeBartolo family, uh, they wanted to remain in sports. Uh, they have a terrific investment here in Pittsburgh in professional sport. And because of them and their willingness to stay, we were able to work something out with the city, and uh, we're here. A very young but a good coach in Bob Berry, very effective coach of the year, according to some. Mario Lemieux, the franchise, but a very young team. You look out there and you see so many young faces. It's just a matter of waiting for them to mature? Well, I think that's a problem we're having tonight. Uh, the team was really uptight before the game, and uh, whether or not they came out prepared to play tonight, I really don't know. But... Uh, we're suffering right now from youth and inexperience when we get down to the, the race into the playoffs and, of course, to go into the playoffs themselves. I think uh, the youth factor has hurt us in the latter part of the season. Paul, I know you were very instrumental in campaigning for parity around the National Hockey League, and you look at the division races going on in the Patrick, certainly the Adams right now. Do you think we've obtained it? Uh, to some extent. I think one of the reasons uh, our, our request to move to the Norris Division was the the really lack of parity when it comes to making the playoffs. You have some teams like ourselves this year and uh, the Hartford Whalers that accumulate a number of points that if they were in another division, they would be in the playoffs. And the playoffs are very important uh, financially to a team in the National Hockey League. But the league as the league is getting to parity. I mean, every year we seem to improve a little bit. Uh, hopefully we'll get there fast enough. Well, uh, that's uh, Paul Martha, who passed away last Saturday at the age of 80. And our condolences to the Martha family and to all the friends of Paul Martha. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I know there are a lot of young Penguins fans who probably don't realize the significance of Paul Martha to the organization, but he was very important. He did hire Craig Patrick. So that was a pretty good move. One of the biggest moves in uh, franchise history because of who Craig Patrick would identify to bring in as well. I mean, there's a reason why you got Scotty Bowman and then you started getting all uh, – the coaches that came through here, Bob Johnson, and, you know, the victories that came, the cups that came, it all started there in those moments. And I would say they eventually got there, which what he was talking about, that and, they hope they could get there quick enough. And right? it was nice of him to see him win the cup. He was at the celebration of Point State Park in 91. And um, 
you know, he went through some tough times there. I mean, there were some times when it was very dicey where the Penguins were going to leave. There were talks about them going to Hamilton. I was there. I I, I know what it was like. It was not That's fun. the history of the Penguins. I mean, how many times have we gone through this, right? And, and there's and always you know, been guys like him to help keep them here. And the DeBartolos, you know, they had to get control of that arena, Matt. That was the big thing. You, 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 cannot, you could not sustain a hockey team in Pittsburgh without control of the building where you got all the ancillary revenue, and they were able to do that. They started Civic Arena Corporation advertising. They got all the revenue from concessions part of the revenue from parking, and that's what enabled them to continue on. But then they sold the team to Howard Baldwin right after winning that first cup because the Bartolo Corporation was having trouble with their malls. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate because that's, that started the Penguins spiraling back towards what ended up being bankruptcy and then, of course, Mario getting control. Things always turned out well, but yeah. you had to go through a lot of crap to get there. Uh, a, a couple of quick stories before we take a break. I just want to tell you a story about Paul Martha. One time I went into his office, and Don King was in there with him. Because they were getting ready to do the fight between uh, Larry Holmes and Ronaldo Snipes at the Civic Arena. And I saw Don King sitting there with that wild hairdo, and he's sitting next to Paul in his office. And I said, hey, you should get Billy Eckstein to sing the national anthem. Billy Eckstein, famous jazz singer who was from Pittsburgh. And, And Don King says, Mr. B? I know Mr. B. I know Mr. B. And he says, yeah. So he didn't say, yeah, I'll do that. But. Billy Eckstein ended up singing the national anthem at that fight. Another so. <laughs> thing attributed to you, Stag. Isn't that great? <laughs> a great moment in the history of boxing in Pittsburgh. Billy Eckstein sings the anthem, and Don, just to see Don King sitting there was almost surreal, right? It, it was just awesome. That's Paul, pretty cool. Paul Martha was a fun guy to be around, and uh, I could tell other stories, but we were running out of time. So we'll be back with more in a moment. Again, our condolences to the Paul Martha family, and thank you, Paul, for everything you did for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Back in a moment on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by S&T Bank. Stop by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint, located at Section 206 in PPG Paints Arena. And with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at purgatorybar.com. As a Penguins radio partner for many years, I can tell you that ST Bank is a community bank that truly cares about people. Whether you're a brand new customer or your family has been with ST since its start in 1902, the team is ready to exceed your banking expectations. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com. Learn how ST Bank supports its neighbors at stbank.com today. Member. FDIC. Hey, Pittsburgh Penguins fans, this is Selena Pompiani. You know what's as classic as Jeff Jimerson singing the national anthem at a Pens game? Glidden paint on your walls. Glidden premium interior and exterior paint is easy to use, affordable, and provides a great looking finish. Oh, and it's available online and in stores at the Home Depot starting at under $20. Skate full speed into your next DIY project with Glidden by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. As the official security provider of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Vector Security is invested in the success of the entire Western Pennsylvania area. If you run a business here, they understand your primary focus is serving your customer. And a big part of that is making sure that your customers, your employees, and your inventory are all safe and secure. Vector Security can help. Schedule a free business security health check today, and one of their local security experts will assess your needs. Visit them 
online at VectorSecurity.com slash pens to learn more. Stop by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint, located at Section 206 at PPG Paints Arena. And with 700 spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at BurgatoryBar.com. You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. Back to Truba. More than two and a half minutes gone by. Giveaway from Ryan Donato. Panarin all over. Suttering pass and a score! His first game as a Ranger, Vladimir Tarasenko gives the Blue Shirts a 1-0 lead. Yeah, that's what he did. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko acquired by the New York Rangers along with Miko Makala, who, by the way, is a Kind of a bruiser, a big defenseman. That was a pretty good trade for the Rangers right there, and he's playing on their top line with Panarin and Zabanajad already. So uh, what you, do you think? I, I'm only asking because my mind took it here too. Did you call Miko? He's Nico. Nico. Yeah, so, Miko yeah. is Miko oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is who we would know from the old days. You're right, you're right. He was the old Finn. But, this and, guy. I, I just fact, when I, I wrote you, the name, I thought, that, that sounds like a Finn name. I don't think he's I don't think. Well, because a, we we remember Miko Makala. Yes, we do. Yeah. And I think he may have been an Islander back in the day, if you're, I'm not mistaken. You're absolutely, you're right. And, uh, by the way, I wanted to mention before uh, we get too far from the subject, Paul Martha was talking about the Norris division yeah. and polling Penguins fans. And the reason for that was you had the same format you have now where the top four teams in each division made the playoffs, 16 of 21 teams at that time. But what was interesting is that 
The Leafs made the playoffs in the Norris Division that year with 57 points, <laughs> and the Penguins missed with 76. That's yeah. why it was so frustrating. And one of the reasons the that Penguins, Penguins quite a few times. Yeah, and one <laughs> of the reasons why the Penguins didn't have more than 76 points, as I said, is because they had to play those great teams, the Islanders and the Capitals and the Flyers, six times each. Yeah. So if they didn't have to play them as much in that division, they would have had even more points, right? So it was really a frustrating time. That was a very different time. And, um, I mean, everyone loved the old Patrick division, of course. And, I I mean, I grew up on that. It was a blast. But it was frustrating year in and year out to see teams that – I remember the, the debates happening. It wasn't social media or anything, obviously, but the way it is today, Stag. But people lost their minds over the fact that the Penguins were often on the outside looking in because of situations like that. And the sad thing was that everything was built around, oh, we missed a playoffs, we missed a playoffs, and you couldn't you know, convince the fans that, hey, we're getting screwed over here, guys, by the NHL. We're not that bad a team. It's just that we happen to be in a tough division, which is almost like in a league of its own, Yeah, you know, uh, under the circumstances. You had so to be a pretty specialized, like, fan at the time, Stag, to know what was going on with those other teams. They were focused on the Penguins because it wasn't all front and center league-wide when you were relying just on your newsprint or whatever. Yeah, that's right. So I think folks were just paying attention to the Penguins. Up, oh, they missed again instead of realizing how tough it was based on their scenario. So all those years went by, and they finally made it when uh, Gene Ubriaco and Tony Esposito came in, and then... Uh, you know, eventually won the cup when Craig Patrick came in. And awesome. they, won, they won their first Patrick Division title on March 15th of 1991. And what's amazing about that is that, you know, they finally won the Patrick Division. So they stayed in the division and they eventually went all the way remember, to the top of it. Do you remember it, Stag? I remember it vividly, the goal, too. It was the weird goal that Johnny Van Beesbrook kind of mishandled off the back wall. And he's trying to get it and it goes over the line and it gave the Penguins the win for them to clinch the division. Yeah. It was like uh, that's the year that that happened, right? No, no, that they they won the division in Detroit. That's where they clinched it. Was a game in Detroit at Joe Louis Arena. Mario wasn't playing. What's that? What's the Mario game? That, what was the, the, what's the game I'm the thinking of then with glasses. that with that uh, that play though? Because they went nuts. Because maybe I know, I know that, that maybe it jumped ahead of the like for the division lead or something. Some, it wasn't yeah, no, clinched. it was. A, I remember the game well. Yeah. I know what we're talking about. I don't remember the significance of it, but I do remember it very well. I I know that you know there were moments like that that gave you the feeling that the Penguins were about to do something special. Cause yeah. All of a sudden the worm was turning. You know the. Yep. the Hockey gods are starting to bless no doubt the Penguins about it. with things. Okay, so the Rangers make this trade, Mets, and we got some trades already being made now in advance of the deadline. You remember Jim Rutherford always liked to make those trades a little bit early. So uh, what does it mean? I mean, the Rangers are are, are are loading up here, and they may even may have make another deal before it's all said and done, right? I, I'm not thinking the Rangers are done by a long shot. Uh, they get Tarasenko, they get Makala, the Islanders get Bo Horvat. I think both of those teams have loaded up. It's going to be curious to see what the Penguins are going to do. Uh, there are defensemen being rumored to the Penguins, at least being speculated, and that might help their defensive zone play, which has been a bugaboo in the first half. Patrick Kane, where's he going, Mets? He wanted to go to New York. And now he's upset about it. There's people speculating all of a sudden that the Dallas Stars may want Patrick Kane, and maybe they step to the forefront now that New York is out of it, and they'd have to convince him to go and play there. Well, as we get closer to the trade deadline, we'll be talking more about that. We hope you've enjoyed the show today. A little look back at Penguins history. And uh, for Wayne Gretzky Anderson, our producer, and Brian Metzer, I'm Paul Steigerwald, the Penguins and the Kings tonight. And uh, it's a late start. I mean, the drop of the puck is going to be at 11.08 our time. So we'll be there, though, right here on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by s Bank. 
Jim Shorkey gives Pittsburgh's hockey fans a Mitsubishi hat trick. Price, selection, and warranty. Grab the most affordable all-wheel drives on the market like Outlander, Outlander Sport, and the Eclipse Cross. Or pre-order now and get it exactly how you want it. With trade values that are higher than ever, the time to upgrade is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Proud sponsor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Come find the Mitsu that fits you at ShorkyMitsubishi.com. Let's go, Pens. Hey, Penguins fans, put some flavor in your season with Snapple. Here at Snapple, we are serious about flavor. Snapple's got tasty tea and real fruit flavors all mixed to perfection. So try some of our favorite flavors, including peach tea, diet peach tea, or Snapple apple tea at your local retailer. Snapple is the official tea and juice sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Put some flavor in your break. Make time for Snapple. Life-changing is a nursing career where you have the power to take the lead and opportunities to make real change. Where you work alongside colleagues that care and see inspiration every day. Where you're celebrated for who you are and have the support you need for what matters most to you. Life-changing is being a nurse at UPMC. Explore your career options today at upmc.com nursing. The fourth annual Pittsburgh Penguins Night of Assists, proudly presented by Highmark, is back with beads, beignets, and the streets of New Orleans coming to PPG Paints Arena on Tuesday, February 21st for Mardi Gras. Get your tickets today to support the Penguins Foundation and to unmask memories with your favorite Pens players, coaches, and alumni. VIP packages, general admission tickets, and after-hours passes are on sale now at PittsburghPenguinsFoundation.org. That's PittsburghPenguinsFoundation.org to let the good times roll with the Pens. 